As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spoiler time! Da-da-da-da-da-da! I feel like that's the perfect spoiler theme song for talking about Hail Caesar. It did feel a little 50s, didn't it? Yeah! Welcome to the spoiler cast for Sift Pop. If you missed our show proper, we just reviewed kind of the basics of Hail Caesar. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to get into the plot line. So if you don't want to know about the movie, don't listen. The spoiler cast theme song is different every single week so that we don't give it away. That's how that works. It's really funny. I think you need like a little little bit of like the, you know, kind of voice to the to the theme song as well. Spoiler time. Spoiler time. <laughs> there you go. Let's do the thing. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie. Let's begin. Spoiler time. I love it. Is Very nice. No, that's perfect. I, I had to flail my arms around. I a noticed. Lot. I noticed. It was like I was trying to do this like little jig. She is thing. now sweating profusely and from having smelling to... bad. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I apologize. All right, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Hail Caesar. Uh, we both loved it. So if you didn't get a chance to hear the podcast proper where we did our official spoiler free review, know that we both had a great time with this movie. I went into this movie without having seen any trailers. I had zero understanding of what I was going to be yeah. getting into. And people say, "Oh, it's a Coen Brothers movie." So that means it's going to be something quirky, quirky. Yeah. But I don't like in my your point of reference zero again. I have no idea. Right. So uh, I definitely wanted you to see this one, and I have to be honest with you. I had no clue how you were going to feel about this. Like, oh, Co- you, oh, oh yeah, because Coen Brothers is an acquired taste. You like, told me you're like I I really want you to see this one because I've kind of pulled back on the movie watching mm-hmm. a little bit because started stress me out. So I took a little break. Mm-hmm. So I can see why you'd be nervous. <laughs> well, I wasn't necessarily nervous. I was just I was interested. You should have been nervous to know <laughs> to know if you would enjoy it. I'm really glad you My did. My anger is something to fear. I, I no, I know that. I know that <laughs> firsthand. <laughs> I've had chocolate chip cookies thrown at me. A full box of them inside a plastic <laughs> container yes. that you were beat with. Actually, yes. it would have been better if they were just the cookies. It was the right. plastic container that hurt. Yeah, repetitive hitting. <laughs> Just because I jumped around a dark corner and yelled cookies at you. You scared the crap out of me. <laughs> scared and the cookies out of you. I apparently am not a fight or flight. I'm just fight. When you when you accost Danae, she will toss her cookies. Just know this is... Isn't that some sort of like weird reference to like vomiting yes. or something? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was a play on words. 
So let's get into the plot, shall we? Let's do it. Tell us about this this Mannix guy who runs this movie theater. Mannix is... Is he like the owner of it? No, he's not. He no, has no, a boss. He just runs it. Yeah, he yeah. runs it. Skank's the boss, right? Wasn't his name yeah. like Skank or Skank or something? No, never met him. The true owner. This yeah. is all about Mannix, who does a lot of the decision making. And just Josh Brolin m- plays he him. He makes sure that this movie production studio, Cap Capital, mm-hmm. what was it? Capital Pictures. Capital Pictures runs smoothly. That all the actors and actresses, all the directors and writers, everybody is doing what they need to do to get the picture out. And it's in the 50s where the the movies have kind of shifted from being this really incredible, um, take your spouse with you, dress to the nines, go to the theater. This is, you Mm -hmm. know, for the elite starting to shift over into the common man, the common man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to think, isn't it, that movies used to be like plays are now. Like you think of a play that's hot right now, like Hamilton. Only the rich people are getting to go to that. You know, the tickets are you know fifteen grand you or whatever. To go to New I mean, York. Yeah, and you have to be in New York. And mm-hmm. movies used to be that way. It's interesting to think of that. It is, and that's one of the things I liked about this movie. If you listen to the show proper, you understand already is that it does have a really interesting behind the scenes look into the history of movie making through the eyes of the Coen brothers and through the eyes of us, the observer, as we're observing Mannix going about his everyday life. As he's, you know, working for this. But really, the movie starts to kick off. Uh, like, we're kind of set into this world, and we see kind of what's going on. They put this huge movie in production called Hail Caesar. Uh, I love that the movie starts off in a confessional booth. Because this movie is about not only his journey as a movie maker, mm-hmm. but his spiritual journey as well. His movie yeah. starts in a confession booth, and, and I think basically ends yeah. in a confession booth mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. there's several religious things. The movie they're making, Hail Caesar, is a movie about... A Roman centurion who finds Jesus, like literally, like the the gospel message of Christianity is proclaimed in this movie a couple of times, which I thought was really interesting. Right. And as an observer, as someone sitting in a physical theater watching Hail Caesar, you're also watching Hail Caesar, the movie, and you're watching these other movies as we kind yeah. of go into it. So it's a really interesting it's a really fascinating piece of film to like, I don't know. Yeah. I love there's that levels. it has there's yeah, there's so all these levels. different levels yeah, to yeah, this yeah. movie. There so I hope that I'm going to explain this correctly. But the production of Hail Caesar is a really important thing. And their main actor, played by George Clooney, his name is Baird Whitlock. Mm-hmm. Is, who's playing the Roman centurion. Yeah, who's going to have this big, you know, Christ revelation, um, is, is, is kidnapped. He's taken, he's drugged and mm-hmm. taken off of the set. And we're watching it happen. We don't know what's going on. They develop the plot. They choose to develop the plot in a really interesting fashion, mm-hmm. which is great to be able to do. So he's gone, and after one hour of being gone, Eddie Mannix isn't panicking. You know, he's he's like, let's just give him a little bit of time. Despite all these other things swirling around him as well, Scarlett Johansson plays a character, Deanna Morin, Deanna Morin, who is pregnant but doesn't have a spouse, and so he's trying to figure out in the public's eye how to make that work. And, and when we're seeing her, we're seeing the movies that are created around her, the actress, which are the water, the movies, aquatics, the movies. aquatics movies. When's the last time we've made a good aquatics movie? Oh man, that was a beautiful scene, wasn't it? Wasn't it, it was beautiful? Gorgeous. To had to be computer generated in some way, right? Just the part that wasn't practical. Just the part where the um the water shot up and fills the entire screen because we're looking over the top of the. I think some of the swimming stuff. It, it no. was playing tricks with my mind. There's no. no way some of that swimming stuff was real. Yeah, that's that is that's one of the things I loved about it. I hope that's not true, Aaron, because. I okay. love that they brought in professional synchronized swimmers. Who- I'm not suggesting they weren't professional synchronized swimmers. I'm just suggesting they did something with the camera. Because do you remember the scene where they were coming up 
like in one row would come out and then another row would come up and come out and mm-hmm. then another row of people would come. There was something so awesome. about the, it was awesome, but there was something about the the size differential between the people coming out and the other. Pe- I don't I'm hoping it was real, too. But I'm in my brain was like, that can't be real. Well, what's interesting is like so the camera is over the top of this pool mm-hmm. and the pool is very, very deep because it had the whole like uh uh, ascending whale mm-hmm. yeah. and the whale had the spout of water coming yeah, yeah. out and uh, you know that was really cool and then it goes back down under the water and it's clearly a very deep tank so i i definitely know what you mean like there's some element of that that was just you know that they they messed with some the sort depth, of yeah some, the some, depth something. of it yeah i don't know but it was, but it was gorgeous but what we're what we're ex- experiencing is that we're getting to watch a little clip of this old movies yeah you know and when we have the other character um who is hobie doyle who's this you know podunk backwoods guy that knows how that was to fun. ride and do trick riding and do rope uh tricks and all these western type stuff you know when we're in with his world we're in the westerns, and then he's moved from the western movie over into like a high end acting movie. We get to experience some of the comedy of that character moving over. So yeah, you're experiencing some of the drama. Uh, uh, Ray Fiennes actually played the director who was directing this cowboy actor into this, you know, Ralph drama. Mo- it's Rafe actually pronounced Rafe. Rafe. It always looks like Ralph. But so it's isn't it Rafe. funny that his character also has a name? That it is. I thought of that during the movie. <laughs> his character's name is mispronounced I all the time. I loved him and as the director. His name was Lawrence Lorenz. Lawrence Lorenz. <laughs> yes. Mr. So Lawrence. Good. Lorenz. Oh, I'm sorry, Lorenz. No, Lawrence. <laughs> Their whole, that whole scene, um, of Hobie Doyle getting put into this high acting scene. But that's the type of scene I'm talking about where they take their time. The setup. Yeah. Where all of a sudden we're looking at a set and there's all these people dressed in these beautiful gowns and they're all sitting around and they're bored and they're angry. It's like, what's going on now? And they stayed on that for a good two minutes at least. It felt that way. Nothing happening. And then Hobie Doyle opens the door and he's in a tuxedo and, and new hair and he's just all looking fresh. And he has squeaky shoes and squeaks, squeaks, squeaks across the floor and meets Lawrence Lorenz and is told this beautiful depth of what his character is going to be emulating in this moment. And were that it was so simple. Was that it were. Twas that it twere. Twas that it twere twer so, so simple. simple is his line. <laughs> and Hobie Doyle has such an accent. He's like, twas that it twere so simple. You know, and he does this. They have this great back and forth. Anyhow, we're seeing all these different characters because Eddie Mannix is having to make decisions about things that are happening in each of these worlds, including, you know, uh, actresses who are going to go get their picture taken by somebody else. Yeah. Um, Actresses who are pregnant, Mm -hmm. um, you know, actors that are suddenly going to become stars and need to go with such and such to the mo- to a, a premiere that night. Directors who are, you know, very picky and, and need to have it exactly just right. And and then all of a sudden, a missing main star of one of their main films. Gossip columnists. Who, who are coming who are, in. A pair of twin gossip columnists paid by Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Uh, like, when do you ever see in a movie a character show up and... and you have no context except for that uh, Eddie Mannix is like um, confused about who she is for just a split second. So we're confused. And then you realize he's confused because she has a twin. Right. And then she leaves the scene and a split second later returns in a new outfit. And you're suddenly, oh, oh, this is the twin. Oh, okay. Right, okay. Right. And, and she's the other gossip columnist. The Coen brothers trust the audience. That's another yes. thing I love. They don't spoon feed you. And I just, I love that they let you just live in this world and observe and figure it out. Rather than having to do a lot of the movie things where they, you know, they 
foreshadow it and, and those kind of things. I think so. that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed it as much as I did is because I kind of feel honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, for like, sure. Thank you for believing in me, the observer, that I am intelligent enough to yeah. enjoy the dialogue, the depth of dialogue and, and everything else that's going on. Because there's these great conversations happening. Mm-hmm. Like the, the religion conversation that we referenced in the show proper is when he's sitting down with consultants to talk about this Hail Caesar where they're they're portraying Jesus and they they want an honest opinion about how they're portraying the Christ. Who and, was the fourth one? There was a Catholic priest, there was a Protestant minister, there was a Jewish rabbi, and then there was a fourth, I think, Christian, but it was like a some sort of sheik or like I was trying to figure out the fourth the, like, with the world beard. View. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the, the white robe beard and the, beard and the, and the robe. turban. Yeah. I think he, yeah, I, I don't know exactly. But that's the other thing, right? Like, is yeah. that they don't tell us on the nose because right. because it's okay that we don't know. It's, yeah. you know, you're making kind of a, 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 he was Buddhist of some kind because he believed that he was a prophet, that Jesus was a prophet, but not. Okay. Because I think his was more like a, like a, that kind of philosophy. Okay. Yeah, so, it was interesting. So listening to all of them talk about how Jesus was going to be portrayed in this movie um, and the religious conversation that it brings up, I loved, oh, what was the, what is the actor's name that played the Jewish guy? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything he, before. Well, he and Bob Odenkirk, I think they used to do. Um, no, that wasn't David Cross. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure that wasn't David Cross. He reminded me of David Cross. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. That you wasn't really David. Did. That was not David Cross. Okay. If that was David Cross, wow, great makeup. That guy was much older than David Cross. Okay. But he reminded me of David Cross. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Do you bit. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So and it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising to see somebody like David Cross put in that small of a role, you know, in that in that way. So Robert Picardo. Oh, he was the doctor in Voyager. Okay, see, I wouldn't have known that. I don't he know that I've ever seen the, him in anything. Yes. Okay, 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 okay. Anyhow, anyhow. So that's a great conversation. He was great, though. Oh, he, as a rabbi, he uh-huh. was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Just that exasperation oh. of you do realize we don't think Jesus was anything special, right? <laughs> it was It was awesome. It was awesome to hear it and to hear it around the table and that they're all just trying to consult on this movie. Um. So so the, the interesting part of this, like we mentioned, really kicks in when... There's $100,000 asked for the ransom of George Clooney's character, who has one scene left to film. And it is the final scene where this Roman soldier is at the feet of Jesus at the cross and has this big, beautiful mm-hmm. speech. Yeah. Um, which we've seen like clips of this movie, like the revelation of him seeing Christ and all this uh-huh. stuff. And it's hilarious because Jesus has blonde hair. It, it shows like three, it. It, well, it shows like three or four different takes of him so good. seeing Jesus and. It's so funny. Should we pause in that moment? Because that's when he was, wasn't that when he was in the editing room? No, that was a different, that was a different scene. Yeah. He was in, he watched the dailies uh, a few times. But yeah, we can talk about that right now. It's the funniest scene in the movie. The dailies, right? Like being able to see how they put film together and mm-hmm. this person just intricately work with this film. And it was just, oh, I so love Fran- seeing the behind the scenes of the movie making. It was so, so fun. Francis McDormand. Uh, plays the projectionist who gets the dailies ready for them to watch. C.C. Calhoun. <laughs> C.C. Calhoun. <laughs> Frances McDormand also married to one of the Coens who oh, directed, okay. directed the movie. She was also the star of Fargo, which was one of their more famous movies that they did. And this is when we're watching uh, the dailies for Hobie Doyle going on to this posh set. Yes. So they set it up perfectly, show how skilled she is with everything, and, and we're watching, and now we're, we're watching Now we're this zoomed movie. into the dailies. And what's really great about how they pull this joke off is we are so interested in how, what he's going to say, what, you know, 
Hobie? Hobie? H- Hobie. What Hobie's going to say in this movie and how it's going to come off and his reaction. So because they we set- watched it fail miserably fail before. Miserably. So we're so curious what the final product is going to look like. They set us up perfectly. It gets right to that moment where we're about to see what's going to happen. Twas a twat. Wait. Yeah. Twas that it twas so simple. And we get right to that moment. And the film starts to bubble and burn and melt yeah. away. And we're like, what's going on? So then you turn over and you you see that the C.C. Calhoun. C.C. Calhoun's scarf is caught in the reel and she's choking to, to death. death. I mean, <laughs> and it is dramatic. And you're like, suddenly. It's a perfect setup. You've gone from like just watching a movie to we're going to watch. And sh- we're watching this woman die. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was. It was it was like jarring, right? Right. Is this really going to happen? Is and this where like, this movie is going? You know, and it's so intense, and she's just like reverse, but, reverse. But you can't even really no. hear because she's genuinely choking to death. Choking to death. He hits the reverse button. Not right away. He's no. trying to. Fe- he just, first, he's, he's like, where? He's like, he's with us. He is the audience at the moment. He's like, is this? Is this really? Ha- like, is this happening? And like, then he doesn't know on? what to do. And right. <laughs> they sat in that moment for a good moment too like it's for for it's legit and then yeah like where is this reverse button uh-huh. he hits the little knob and she pushes or is somehow like pushed back from this uh-huh. machine that's now reversing the film out of the machine yeah and she's wearing the longest scarf <laughs> in history and we just watch her just <laughs> and now she's fine and you know what she likes a cigarette takes she, a drag she immediately sucks on her cigarette again and she's like I shouldn't wear scarves. And then, and then they, they start watching the dailies again. <laughs> so great. Oh, so great. What I loved about that moment in the theater was you and Jen, your wife, uh-huh. and me and I was watching with my friend Callie. Uh-huh. The four of us looked at each other and were just laughing. Oh, like, yeah. We all had a moment together was, with that it scene. It was one of the biggest laugh out loud moments I've had in a movie in a long time. Oh, it's so good. It was so good. So uh, Eddie Mannix is on uh, on the hunt for trying to figure out what's going on. He's been told to, um, he's been told to put $100,000 together. Uh, while he's getting the money into th- this um, satchel, I don't know, it's not really a satchel, it's a... Uh, attache An attache case, case, yes. A leather one. Looks like crocodile skin, maybe. Hobie Doyle, the Hobunkin guy, uh-huh. uh, comes in to his room, and Eddie decides to tell him the truth, that Baird Whitlock has been kidnapped, that he doesn't know who's involved, and that's a great scene. It's so seeing great. Hobie, as a real person, not just an actor, sinking into this moment and going, this is real bad, you know? And as bad as he was at trying to be in a drama... What a great guy. Like, you know, he's yeah, giving genuine. it his best. He's being very genuine. He's trying to figure it out. <laughs> he he was, just can't do he, it. He was saying things like, um, he said things like, you know, I didn't realize that I'd be so, speaking so many words <laughs> with the camera on me. You know, people looking, but you know, I'm doing my best. I'll just keep, you know, so he's just a genuine guy. Yeah. Which, by the way, you know, in the dailies, we see that the, twas it twas that it were so simple. They just changed. It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> so he, Hobie Doyle offers to, you know, help however he can, you know, gives him his belt so that he can wrap up the attache case a little tighter. Mm-hmm. And um, Eddie, for the hundred grand that they're going to uh, ransom. Mm-hmm. Eddie Mannix goes, drops off the case uh, at the set that he was told to set it off as. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hobie says something like, you know, check into the extras that are in the scene because, you know, those are the guys that are in and out all the time. And so he has some good so advice. So he shows that he's really got some smarts and wisdom. Yeah. It's not that he's dumb. No. Not at all. No, not at all. He's- By the way, some of the stuff in his uh, introduction in that Western 
was great. Oh yeah, it was so fun. The stunt writing, the stunt writing, and the, the ridiculousness the flipping of on it. the tree, and oh, so good. Yeah, because we got to see his westerns, uh-huh. you know, as we're walking around. And and I want to know, does he lasso rope that well, or was that? Two things. Computer generated. Two, maybe three things, right? We get to see Scarlett Johansson underwater, uh-huh. genuinely acting underwater, which anytime you're holding your breath, um, which is uh-huh. totally against your body, your uh-huh. body does not want you to hold your, your body wants to breathe. <laughs> and you can act today. and Thank look you. beautiful. Yeah. It's great. So she was doing her own stunt underwater. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Uh, then you have um, uh, Channing Tatum mm-hmm. doing a fantastic song and, song and dance. Yeah. You know, that's him. And then you have uh, Alden... Aaronich, who plays Toby Doyle. Okay. Who potentially... I've never seen before in anything. He's so great. He potentially is doing his own rope work. Like, maybe he learned his own rope work. I'm wondering. It was great if he did. I mean, that stuff he does outside the house is... So good. ...is top-notch rope work. I know. I have to think the stuff he did with a spaghetti noodle was computer-generated or something. That was insane. Yeah, that was fun. He's sitting at dinner with the date that he has to go... To you know, the studio sets up these dates, but what happens is they hit it off. They have a great time. He's entertaining. He's so cute. He's like, "That ain't nothing until you watch this." He yeah, gets like you a th- noodle. You out. think I'm cute now? Watch this. Oh, like, he's like, "This is why I don't get sauce," because <laughs> <laughs> he wants to play with the noodles. <laughs> he's just a sweet kid. And she's she's the kind of star like uh, Carmen Miranda, where yes. she dances with fruit on her head and and it's all in the. The shoulders, the hips, the thighs. She's like the hips, the lips, and, and the, the thighs. eyes and the thighs or the hips, something. The hips, the lips, the eyes, and the thighs. And she's <laughs> yeah. doing this little jiggle. Oh, it's so, so great. So great. Yeah. So anyways, uh, he sets the money in this studio where Channing Tatum's doing the song and dance number, which was great. Then we get Huge, to see that. Huge, long production number. You get to see, I like the cutbacks where you get to see how the stage moves yes. and different things to, to tell them. I love how, you know, you get to see the director talking to him about, you yes. know, don't put the thing on his head this yes. time because it's not about him. And mm-hmm. just really fun, interesting behind the scenes of, you know, old style movie making. And it's a great number, and it's funny, and it's quirky, and it's and interesting, and, and very long. And you're like, Channing Tatum, are you tap dancing? Uh, yeah, very yes, well, you in are. Fact. Well, he is a dancer. I mean, yeah. he got started as a dancer. So. Yeah, but he got started as a dance dancer. You <laughs> oh, know? is that so how you say it? This a is dance dancer. <laughs> take off my clothes dancer. So here he is, you know, maybe he's taken classes and, and mm-hmm. has been training, and he's having fun with other professional dancers in this mm-hmm. whole way, and he, he does a fantastic job. I thought he did and a really a great, great number, job. And it's a great number. So then after... After that, uh, we're at dinner. Uh, well, we kind of cut over at some point and we're having a revelation because we're meeting back up with George Clooney's character, Baird Whitlock, and seeing who he is with, who has kidnapped him. And of course, Eddie Maddox doesn't know anything about this, but it's such a curious kidnapping sequence, isn't it? Well, it's just it's it's thinkers. It's intellectuals that have kidnapped him. It's communists. Economic, economic communist group uh-huh. that is run by all of the writers from movies that used to work for Capital and other, I think it's just Capital, or mm-hmm. it's, the point is, is that their ideas, their writing, which, by the way, was filled with communist messages, uh-huh. um, they never were compensated for their brilliance. And so their idea is to kidnap Baird and to ransom him just to, to prove a point. Now, we don't really get too deep into their like long-term plans. But they treat him as a friend. Oh, yeah. As a Sandwiches. Peer. Yeah, they give him sandwiches. That was funny, too. He's holding a, a sandwich in each hand and trying to figure out what's going on. The photographer and... taking pictures. So you're like, okay, there's a, like, a long-term, <laughs> like, are we going to be blackmailing, you know, George Clooney's character? By the way, that was the largest collection of actors who are what I call that guys. 
like where you recognize every single one of them because they've been in so many things, but you don't know their name. Do you feel like that they did that on purpose because that's how writers feel too? Uh, it could be. It could be. But Max just... Baker, Fisher Stevens, Patrick Fischler. Fisher Stevens, yes, that's Tom his Musgrave, name. Musgrave, David Krumholtz, Greg Baldwin, and Patrick Carroll. The uh, professor was John Bluthall. Uh, so good. All of them. All just of been those, in so many different things. If you can just imagine a, a moment where uh, Clooney's character, um, Baird, wakes up from an, a room to someone vacuuming. He just walks freely through this really expensive, elaborate mm-hmm. 1970 wood paneled shag carpet home or 1950s, I guess, and uh, goes into the den and they're all in there having philosophical conversations about, you know, life and smoking cigarettes. And they all turn and look at him and they just get him a chair and sit down and the conversation continues. It's not like, OK, here's what here's why you're here. It's just like they just bring him into the conversation, really, which is, you know, about their need to change the structure. So Baird is actually having an element of a wake up for his philosophies of life and Mm -hmm. his way of thinking is opening up. And he's turning from this guy who just goes and does movies to a thinker surrounded by these communists. So I think, and I mentioned this in the show as well, I think the idea with his character is that he is, uh, uh, mushy brained, which like, means kind of like a he go can with be, it guy. Yeah, yeah, he can be fit into any right idea, and that has been a long term thing about actors. To be a great actor, it has been said that you can't have much of your own personality because mm-hmm. you have to be able to fit into whatever people want you to do. Right, and so it's kind of emphasizing that you know actors oh, as cattle kind of thing, where these people can take him in and in an instant make him believe a different, you know, totally different worldview. And I think that pays off later with the clip that we played where Mannix basically just slaps it right out of him and says, yeah. you're in this world. He's like, yes, now I'm back in this worldview. <laughs> so now we realize that Baird, is, there's a ransom for him, and he's realizing that there's a ransom for him, you know, and and but the, there he's not like, he could probably freely go, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. They're in a really remote location. It, took, yeah. it takes a long time to get there. Um, back in the real, you know, kind of like the central line, the studio. Eddie Mannix is um, continuing to do whatever he does to kind of run his business. He goes home and sees the wife. We get to kind of see a little bit of home I life that for was him. Beautiful. I did too. I love that they rounded out that part of his character because there's this thing that happens in movies where he's like, you know, yeah, I got to talk it over with the wife. And when you hear it, you think the thing that usually is, which is he's just saying that he's going to figure out what he wants to do and then do what he wants to do. So to see him actually go back and have a genuine, real conversation about this choice in his life with his wife. Genuine and real, but not like in today's culture. No, no, no. It was very 50s. It's it very felt 50s. like a very 50s family. It but was the, true to that era. But at the same time, you could tell he really cared about what she had to say. And But you still felt like, and I don't know, maybe this is just because I am, I'm, I was born in a different era. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm born in a different time whenever a relationship is so different now. It is. Because his back is to her. He's eating his dinner real quickly. He's dealing with a kidnapping at work. But he's trying to not burden her with those things. It's almost like he is he is holding and shelving so many decisions that he makes for so many people every day, all day long, all the time. And he's keeping all of it to himself. And his main concern is that he's just being a good person. Right. Even though sometimes he gets physical and slaps people around just a little bit. And he has a cigarette when his wife wants him to quit smoking. He has a cigarette from time to time. And that's a big part of it as well. That's probably his biggest guilt. 
you and know? we should talk about what this decision is because we haven't we haven't mentioned it. He is being courted by Lockheed, which is a, an arms maker. Uh, at one point, they even show that they're you know working on the atom bomb or the H bomb, right? You know, in the fifties, and uh, basically they're going to give him the world. He'll have an easy job for ten years. For ten at years, least. and because it's ten years, his stock options will be in a place where he would never have to work in again after that, and he wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff he has to worry about. And he's having this. Really interesting and very real question about do you do the easy job that you don't care about and don't love or you do the hard work that means something to you, you know, and that there's he, purpose in. He is regularly with these conversations about this other job option that he has. So, yeah, he's got the kidnapping. He's got all these decisions to make for the business. And he's got this home life one where it's been made clear he's not home very often. And his wife has, you know, been quoted as saying he's, I don't know, he's never around, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's these sacrifices he's making. But he feels like it's an important job to do to care for this environment. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so he's got that question that I, I, I asked that question to myself. It's the central theme of the movie. And I just I think it's beautiful. I love so it. he, le- you know, he then goes back uh, for the night. And I think it was during this kind of next montage where we kind of see there's a couple of things going on. He's walking around thinking about things, trying to figure out where Baird could be without us being told that we're just showing him in different sets kind of doing his thinking thing as uh as eddie does that in the, in the meantime um hobie doyle was at this dinner with this lady you know and they're having a good time the two gossip columnists show up you know and and uh he looks across the room and notices the attache case with his with belt, his belt yeah. wrapped around it and knows that's the ransom money so when the person who it own who owns it gets up to leave he uh, leaves at dinner and gets in a car and follows and we see that it is Bert Gurney. Channing Tatum's character that did the song and dance. Yep. Who is a communist. Mm-hmm. Who is the like quintessential. Head communist. Yeah. He's like the quintessential blonde hair, blue eyed, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, And so that's interesting. He kind of gets home and this whole next scene was just like, what <laughs> just happened? But I loved it. I loved they it. They row out all of them on a rowboat. All, all of the communist writers. To meet a Russian submarine that. You know, what's what's the opposite of submerge? Emerge? Yeah. Emerges from the water. Um, Starting with a little blinker, a little red blinker. <laughs> it reminded me of the scene with the whale, right? Where like we're looking at right. the water and kind of comically, you know, just sort of rises up out of the out of the bay mm-hmm. where where they're his house is like on this little cove or whatever. So they're just they rode out and. And so he's going back to Mother Russia mm-hmm. and his fellow communists, you know, throw him the, the you know, attache case of money. And they're like, you take it. You know, we believe in the cause. You take it. Which is interesting because their whole philosophy was that the little man needs to, you know, partake. But when you believe in something, and again, this is the major theme of the movie. When you believe in something... You, you want give to give it everything mm-hmm. to it. And so, you know, they yeah. may be blind to the fact that they're basically doing the same thing as capitalism, mm-hmm. which is giving the money to the person who doesn't need it, you know? So he is attached to the side. He hilariously leaps from the boat to the mm-hmm. side of the submarine and he's like attached he did in his to the dance side. number earlier. Yeah. And, you know, turns back to say goodbye. And in that moment, they hand him the, they toss the attache case and he says, you know, this is, this is good. And then uh, his little doggy that he was leaving behind. <laughs> leaps from the boat into his arms and so he drops the hundred thousand dollars into the the, bottom of the sea and it sinks it's kind of this moment where he chooses love over money Uh which is another theme you know like choosing love yeah and they're all 
you know, well, I guess that was for nothing. <laughs> like, we'll never speak of that again. Was the <laughs> I think that's the that's what I got. It's like, yeah. And Channing Tatum does this really great like little face he makes, kind of like a little embarrassed. Like, let's just okay, moving on now. <laughs> Goes up the top, submarine disappears, and um, Hobie Doyle in the meantime has arrived at the location because he followed him out. He walks in and he, he talks to Baird and he's like, "Well, you know, Eddie's pretty worried about you. It's time to get back home." And here Baird's like sitting alone in this beautiful house with a cocktail, you know, <laughs> like talking about how he's had this crazy adventure. So they leave. Mm-hmm. They get back to the studio and Baird, George Clooney's character, Baird is sitting in front of Eddie Mannix trying to kind of like explain to him what's just happened. Which, yeah. When you think about it, like I was drugged and kidnapped by communist writers and put out into a mansion on the sea. Um, And here's all the things I learned while I was there. Yeah. Eddie's Josh Brolin, right? Uh-huh. He does an amazing job. That's one of my favorite moments because he's just sitting there seething with anger <laughs> because this character, this guy has disappeared for 24 hours. Right. The ramifications. And has the to buy into what, you know, what's going yeah, on. He starts to buy into this whole communist thing. He's just, dude, man, my mind's blown, you know, and this and this and this, and we're all just a bunch of monkeys working for a circus. And, mm-hmm. And that is the biggest insult to Eddie, who is keeping everything together. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Eddie gets up and kind of slaps him around a little bit. Slaps him around a little bit. He also slaps Scarlett Johansson. He does at one point, which I found very interesting because I mean, it tweaked me in a very real way, where I was like, "Nope, nope, never under any circumstance." It wasn't Scarlett. Who it was, was it? The other girl at the very beginning of the movie, the one that was getting her pictures taken. When there's getting oh yeah 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 that's a different right. person yeah totally different person but I, same emotions but the same emotion of you know. Like you just like yeah, slapped, you like you just hard slapped a girl. Yeah, you don't you don't hit girls. <laughs> like, but to, you know. but it really brought home the point that at that time, movies own you. You are owned. You do not have. Well, your and own I think life. you're also supposed to see it like when you would when you would hit somebody who's drowning. Like you like, like the idea that you're saving. They snap out of it. I'm saving you. Like I'm I'm you know taking you to land. I'm glad we brought back to that point because at that moment, that's the first real time we're really kind of understanding who Eddie you know. Mm-hmm is as a person and what he's doing and here he walks in and he's going into this home late at night he opens the front door and there's a guy taking pictures of a girl you know in cute little outfits mm-hmm. and the photographer's like uh, you know eddie goes over and he's like you know we own her appe- the rights her, to her the rights to her appearance and image, right. image and i'm taking this film and you better not make a big stink of it so he takes the film out and He's and the police cars go. The photographer is just like, come on, man. Then he just runs away because he knows he's in trouble. And the girl's like, come on. I was just taking pictures. You know, what's the big deal? And he slaps her and he's like and he tells her specifically, like, you don't know how you got here. You're not sure what's going on. And your real name is. Yeah, here's your name. So at that point, I'm like, what kind of movie is this going to be? Who is this guy? Like, yeah. that's was really intense. Now we fast forward through this whole entire movie and trying to get a glimpse of his heart and all this stuff. And here he is slapping around George Clooney, <laughs> who is the, in his mind, the equivalent to that same, girl. Same situation. Same situation. Yep. You're stepping on a line and you're putting the pictures on the line and you uh-huh. don't do that. Your life right. is for this picture. Your life right. is for being here. And he kind of straightens him up in his mind. 
So it's interesting though that you think that it was like it's a, still slapping a human being. It's still you know accosting. I know. Someone. Isn't it interesting? I, like I, that's the interesting tweak about it is like when when it was her, I was it was like no, no, never. I felt bad for Baird. I felt bad, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's George Clooney and yeah. seeing him get slapped around is just something I'm not used to doing. Yeah. And seeing him be that meek character who's kind of like afraid uh-huh. because both of those characters. You don't usually play that role. Are immediately stunned and mm-hmm. scared and which just is what he needed. Want to please their master. Yeah. And he is that master. Yeah. So it's interesting. He leaves. Uh Baird leaves that moment after being righted and he goes straight to Hail Caesar to complete the last part Gives of the Hail best Caesar. Speech of his career all the way down to the last word. That was hilarious. <laughs> because, you know, as a Christian, you're like listening to him have this revelation of Christ where mm-hmm. he's describing Christ's character yeah. as a person and and how he was good to the slaves even when mm-hmm. no one else was good to the slaves and and everybody on set is just like getting emotional in. and leaning yeah. in and he he is delivering the lines beautifully. George Clooney mm-hmm. playing Baird, Baird Whitlock. Baird Whitlock is killing it. Yeah playing a Roman soldier. Uh-huh. So there's like a lot of inception going on there, right? <laughs> like is this person playing this person playing this person? Uh-huh. But either way, here he is. He's delivering these lines. He flubs the very last line, which is faith. It's just the word faith. <laughs> and it's not that he flubs it. He just forgets it. Like yeah. he gets there and it's so beautiful and it just hangs. And everyone's like, <laughs> and he doesn't get it. And then, then all of a sudden it just breaks and we're all out of the moment that we were all in just a second ago. And <clears> we've all got to reset and, Ah, dang it! You know uh-huh. I didn't get it, so that was really I yeah. loved that part. And that's that's the end of the film. That's pretty much the end I, of the film. Man, I just the Coen Brothers. I just I love when they do straight comedies. I really do, and I had such a good time with this. Um, like I've said, it reminded me of the Hudsucker Proxy, which is my favorite uh, Coen Brothers movie. And uh, if you enjoy more of like the No Country for Old Men or Fargo or those kinds, you may be a little bit disappointed that there's not that edge to it that they can do. But um, if you don't need that edge, then you know then you'll have a great time. I would I would say one more thing. There's also this theme of ownership of your person that the f- pictures have. I will stand behind this. I love that there is a reality to um, seeing behind the scenes of how movie production and movie theaters yeah. and all that kind of came into being and what they did. There's a scene between Scarlett Johansson and Jonah Hill who plays uh, Joseph Silverman who is like their fall guy. That's what I'm talking about. Jonah Hill's in the movie for like a hot second. Like... F- but... But in that hot second, you know, you're seeing that she has a crazy decision to make where she's pregnant and, mm-hmm. and they're going to have this whole thing concocted and da 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 da. I mean, that stuff of like ownership of who you are as a person and uh, that really spoke to me too. And I just yeah. didn't want to, I forgot to kind of mention that before. Yeah. It was a whole different world. The actors and directors were all under contract to certain. Yeah. Um, I almost said labels. That's the music version, which, by the way, it still is pretty much like that in the music it is, industry. It is. <laughs> and that's the thing is that it's still an issue. It's even it's even down to it's. W- w- there's another just real brief example. Um, when Hobie Doyle shows up on set, he's wearing <clears> a suit, you know, and it's <clears> super <throat> tight. He's like, it's kind of tight. And they're like, you'll get used. To, it's perfect. You'll get used to it. The idea of you have to fit into somebody else's wardrobe wardrobe you have yeah. to fit into something something else and we own you enough to be able to tell you those things you don't have what a choice. to wear where to go who to date yeah and that's that's the yeah. that was a crazy kind of glimpse into it and then you have characters like eddie manix and whoever her his assistant was the entire time i loved the assistant i don't know um oh yeah she was great i i hadn't really seen her in anything before either her character has this particular walk and when i first thought i was like well that's interesting and then i realized oh my gosh 
at the time, culturally, women were forced to wear or what you had to wear was all these undergarments mm-hmm. to keep you constrained into a particular shape, yeah. right? And high heels. So I'm and- like, oh my gosh, she is probably wearing like some sort of like under <laughs> undergarments that are like, you can't do anything but walk like uh-huh. that, right? Corseted. So, but she's doing it because of a, like she's a choice. Right. And Eddie Mannix, he has a choice too to fit into that place right whereas there's these other characters who kind of don't have a choice they have to do it so it was like that was another thing that was just Very running cool. through my mind the whole time that old hollywood stuff reminded me a lot of singing in the rain in some ways too there's a lot of kind of that look behind the scenes and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff from from singing in the rain even a few years before when this movie was set like you know about 10 years before i was so excited to chat this movie with you and thanks for listening to this whole spoiler yeah. it's kind of a longer one um but this was we just of, had a good time when we like a movie we talk about this it this is more. my favorite movies i've seen in a while yeah it's yeah good stuff i'm really glad you enjoyed it and uh, we hope you will too so we'll catch you next time yep next friday will be our next episode of stiff pop if you would like to listen to the live recording yeah tune in live if you get a chance it's fridays fun. at noon central uh you can listen and stream right from our website erinanddenay.com but if you want to chat with us you're going to need to click on the links there and you can kind of log into the chat and join us there awesome awesome it'll be it has been it's about 27 hours since my last confession Twas so. that it was so simple Tw- Twas that it was so simple. AKA, it's, it's complicated. complicated. Right on, sister. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.